welcome to Speak It On. This program is designed for the edification and entertainment of the listeners and not designed to be representative of a church, nonprofit organization, or denomination. Opinions expressed are solely those of the host. Hey, hey, welcome back, and as always, thanks for listening. So, last Sunday... We got a little jiggy with it in Sunday school. And yes, I still go to Sunday school. And yes, I still go to a church that has Sunday school. (laughs) A lot of of times they call them uh, Bible study groups or help groups or there's different ones. But basically, um, if they meet at a home outside the church, it's usually a study group or a help group or a connection group or whatever. And if they meet in the church, they call it Sunday school. However, Sunday morning usually. Um, had an interesting situation uh, and discussion about cessationism. Cessationism. Now, what in the world is cessationism? Basically, the upshot of it, of it is this. If you believe that the spiritual gifts that Paul describes in the book of Corinthians, that speaking in tongues, the miracles, raising the dead, healing people, all this stuff. If you believe that all stopped, okay? If you believe that stopped uh, way back when, then you're a sensationist. You believe that those gifts were then, they're not now, we just don't see them. Now, this is one of these really heated, crazy type of issues in the church. Because, to be honest with you, uh, the the, uh, spiritual gifts mentioned in the book of Corinthians are the primary reason you had the Azusa Street revivals in California. Right? Now, I gotta be pretty upfront with you. So so that you can couch your thought process. And that's that's this. I am not a cessationist. Alright? I'm not. Uh, I don't believe the Bible supports that. Now, does it happen as often as, you know, of course, cessationists say it doesn't happen at all. Mm, okay. Uh, that's your thought. My thought is, yeah, it does. It's just nobody's paying attention. But here's the thing. Um, I think there's several things that when you look at when you're looking at these kinds of, of gifts because uh, obviously Pentecostals and Assemblies of God which are considered charismatic or any charismatic group which is considered a subdivision of Pentecostalism all right, uh, believe in all these gifts all right. now um, by the way let me just tell you there's a very very strong Bible teacher and I do have 
respect for this person. John MacArthur. He is a vehement cessationist, and not just, hey, it doesn't happen, but hey, it doesn't happen, and if you believe it does, you're nuts. Almost kind of that far kind of thing. Uh, I have listened to John MacArthur's tapes on uh, on charismatic uh, type stuff, and he categorically says this jazz is destructive, and they're making it up. And uh, now, um, and there's some other things now. Uh, and by the way. Um, even though he is very uh, adamant about the fact about the fact that he believes that sign they what they call is sign gifts okay speaking in tongues you know the healings of prophecies that kind of stuff they call it sign gifts because the thought process was that that was a sign in the ancient church when the church was just coming out to show and demonstrate to people who were not believers that the Spirit of God was there. Alright. That's why they're they're commonly called sign gifts. But anyway, um, I do think that uh, he has a, a uh, well, it, it, as strongly as he puts his arguments out there, I don't think it's out of meanness. Let me just say that. Okay? Let me just say that. I don't think it's out of meanness. But if you listen to him, he's very, very, very adamant. Which means he's got a lot of emotion wrapped up in that stuff. So, okay. Now, that being said, here's some things uh, that um, some observations of my own then I'll share with you. Because, again, I'm not a cessationist. So, the first thing is this. I think when you look at the gifts, these miraculous gifts, okay, that are mentioned in, uh, of course, uh, in the book of Corinthians, the first thing that comes to mind, to me, has to be context, alright? And it's, uh, and it, and it kind of leans this direction. One of the reasons Paul is writing the letter of 1 Corinthians and another letter to 2 Corinthians is because these people are messing up royally they're using these gifts that the spirit has given them in a negative way and it sounds like they're being prideful about it and uh, and they're kind of off the chain so he's trying to address that jazz and he's trying to refocus them and he's trying to, to tell them, look, uh, you guys, I don't care how many of these spiritual gifts you got. In chapter 13, he talks about, I don't, I don't care how many of these gifts you guys use. If you don't show God's love for other people, 
it don't matter so he's trying to reprioritize them okay and then and by the way the reason he wrote the second letter of Corinthians is because they didn't get the first letter so these people weren't really focusing really well all right so that's the, that's the first thing that's very important to know about that is they were abusing it they were abusing these gifts now the complication with these kinds of gifts is that it can puff the individual up it it is an absolute inroad for arrogance and pride if you're able to do this stuff now um, now here's a few observations it's interesting to me that uh, a lot of this kind of thing is not mentioned in other books all right the other letters that Paul writes to other it's not mentioned a lot it's mentioned a lot in Corinthians so you would think well is like the Corinthian church the only church doing this stuff and I don't think so I think they were the biggest you know ones that were having issues because they were they were getting pretty uh, puffed up and prideful about it but anyway also it's interesting to note that the church fathers and, and when I say church fathers I mean the early Christian uh, writers I mean like right after Paul all right like you know a hundred to five hundred uh, AD or yeah said some interesting things but it was a split kind of thing and by the way most with the exception of Presbyterians and maybe Lutherans and the high church tradition knows about these people and, and their seminaries usually teach a little bit about the church fathers whereas lower church traditions and by that I, I don't mean lower in, in status I mean they're not liturgical they're not they don't hold on to any of the Catholic thought processes and unfortunately the church fathers are usually considered Catholic and so when that happens uh, evangelical uh, Protestants like chunk them out the window and just they're like uh, whatever uh, and I think that's blooming sad and prideful and arrogant uh, you know now you can judge individually for yourself how holy you think the dudes are but some of them were martyrs so you know let's just get real anyway so the early church fathers had had some interesting things to say just a martyr actually uh, said for the prophetic gifts remain with us even to this present time and uh, of course just martyr he, he died about 165 Irenaeus by the way, uh, who was a pupil or a disciple of Polycarp, who was a disciple of the Apostle John, all right, according to church records and tradition. 
uh, in his book Against Heresies. He said, uh, In like manner do we also hear many brethren in the church who possess prophetic gifts and who through the Spirit speak all kinds of tongues and bring to light for the general benefit the hidden things of men and declare the mysteries of God who also the apostles term spiritual. Now, was Irenaeus. Origen, another very strong church father, um, he said that uh, that basically uh, he had witnessed some exorcisms and healings and prophecy, although he never wrote these details down. And the reason he didn't write them down was because he didn't want to bring scorn of unbelievers on top of him. Now, now that being said. People like John Chrysostom, who was uh, who was like a preacher supreme, and uh, he was a Byzantine church father, which means he was in Constantinople, which is now Istanbul. Basically, when he's talking about First Corinthians, his comment was, "This whole place is very obscure." that the obscurity is produced by our ignorance of the facts referred to and by their cessation, being such as then used to occur but not now, but now no longer take place. And why do they not happen now? Why, look now, the cause to of the obscurity hath produced us again another question, namely, why did they happen and now do so no more? In English, in a little better English, he's saying, look, you know, it seems like, first of all, Corinthians is kind of, kind of hard to pin down. It's a kind of vague. It's got some obscurity there. But our, the obscurity that we see is based on our ignorance. But he also says, he says, why did they happen then and, and not now? Now, um, uh, Augustine felt like speaking in tongues was a miracle, but only for the early church. So, Bottom line is, I think, um, let me, not to equate me with any of these guys, but let me just throw in some thought processes. I don't believe that they're gone. I do believe that they're out there, but I believe that the circumstances that occur, where they occur, truly occur, tend to be kind of unique. And why is that? Because people don't use these gifts the way they're designed to be used. And to be honest, when you look at, uh, at Paul's situation, 
when you when you look at the book of Corinthians and second Corinthians the major takeaway is that these people were not doing it right and Paul was trying to fix that and refocus them on through the Spirit of God to Jesus to God to the Father to love to care to outreach to preach and that's why he said look I would rather somebody preach where people could understand him just a few words than just go on and on and on and on about about uh, you know in tongues now here's you know this particular issue goes very deep goes very wide goes very dark but here's the thing um, it seems even though there's a whole list of gifts that Paul talks about in Corinthians speaking in tongues seems to be the A class number one even though Paul never put it at the top of the list it's interesting me to me um, that uh, it took the Azusa Street revivals, I mean, years ago, to bring people's attention to this, almost like it had been never happening before. And then you have these reoccurrences of of, of spiritual gifts, of of out of they, you know, like the Pensacola outpouring of the Toronto blessing, and all of these things. Well, the fact is, if the gifts were there, they've been there the whole time for thousands of years. Because it's been a couple of thousand years since Paul wrote to us, right? The issue, again, I think, is to focus on what Paul's talking about. If you, you know, follow his instructions if you're going to use these gifts follow his instructions and it does not happen I think and if it doesn't happen the way he says pride and arrogance will consume you and God resists that God resists pride and arrogance I said it five million times I'll say it again it doesn't matter if you're saved or lost if you got pride and arrogance in you, God will take a piece of you to make that right. Because I believe those two things, which are connected, really, absolutely just get right up in God's business. And, and the Father just says, look, that's it. I think a lot of believers bring a lot of horrifying things down on themselves because of that. And I'm here to testify that's happened to me. And it sucked. It absolutely sucked swamp water. It was bad. So here's what I'm trying to say. Don't let these type of things... Now, by the way... Um, 
here's what you know I, I'm gonna say this if you run into somebody and they don't speak your language and the Spirit gives you the ability to talk their language and give them the gospel run with it um, if for some reason you know now you might be able to say stuff to them but you also need to pray that God will let you understand what they're saying also if God the Spirit impresses you to pray for somebody do it do it I've, I've felt that before I mean and it's an impression just like uh, just like well you know in the book of Acts Philip when he was teleported actually uh, several miles several hundred miles like well, not hundred, but a long way to the Ethiopian unit. The spirit said, "Draw near to that chariot," and he did. So there, there's things like that that happens. No indication that doesn't happen. I think the problem that we have now in a church level is that we've forgotten to focus that look that. You know, we sing all these songs about God, about God, and it's all about you, it's all about you, but we don't treat him like that. I mean, when we're preaching sermons, we slam his people every chance we get, and we're using social psychology to make people feel good uh, and stuff, and not teaching the Word, because the Word has positive and negative aspects. In other words, hey, do this, don't do this. The Ten Commandments are that way. And then when we're out and about cutting people off in traffic, yelling at them in the in the supermarket, that doesn't help. So don't let this stuff get ramped up and twisted around your spiritual journey. If it happens, work with it. If it doesn't happen, then keep going. And never lose focus on the Father and what Jesus wants. And Paul's point, and that is this. You've got to learn to do what he wants every day. With that, keep on keeping on. To this edition of Speak It On. And as always... Don't be afraid to speak the word in boldness and truth.